Yeah, let, let's put up the, the title. Let's get right into this. As I was thinking about the, um, uh, the title as well as, uh, not even the title, I didn't have a title until I began to think about the story. And we're going to go through a little bit of the story of a guy named Peter. And so uh, I was thinking about years ago when I was a youth pastor in Oregon. And the, one of the things that I really enjoyed more than anything was taking a bunch of kids, high schoolers, out into the wilderness and there to challenge them with hiking, climbing rocks, and all the stuff that, that you do, you know, when you're out in the wilderness. And uh, the adventures of it, but also the times of reflection as we build a bonfire and we gather around the bonfire. And uh, we talk about life. We talk about stuff. And so... My mind went back to uh, these high school kids. There's about a dozen of them, maybe a little bit more. And we were going to take a six-day hike up into the Three Sisters area in Oregon. Shannon, you know where that's at, and some of you may know where that's at. It's one of the most beautiful places on the planet, isn't it? It's just beautiful. And we went way back into the back country, and uh, there was this one guy here that wanted to take the challenge into the adventure, and his name was Billy. He was an all-star football player, big guy, tough as nails. So this tough as nails Billy went, was, was all excited about it, and we were going to go on Sunday afternoon and, and uh, go to our destination. And so we got all the kids after church. We got all the kids together, and they had their backpacks and their hats and their gear and everything else. And we loaded up a couple of vans, and we went up two sisters, and there we found our camping spot and, and uh, set up tent, ate dinner, and had a little bonfire, and, and Billy was excited. He, he says, man, this is going to just really be awesome, you know. I'm getting ready for football camp, and with all this hiking, this is going to get me in shape for it, and Monday came, and we were going to our destination, and we finally got there and set up tent. I was noticing that Billy's struggling a little bit. And uh, Tuesday came, and he was struggling all right. His attitude was pretty bad. And he was kind of getting towards the other people, kind of kind of uh, being short with them. And, and pretty soon on Wednesday, he just crumbled, and he just he didn't like anybody. He hated what he was doing. And uh, that night, we set up camp, and I noticed old Billy, you know, by the lake. We camped by the uh, lake there, and... And I uh, came up to him, and he'd been crying. And I, you know, when, when a high schooler like that, a big, tough-as-nails kid starts crying, you know that there's some breakage that's taking place and some personal things. So it's not a bad thing. But I came up to him, and I said, what's up? And he says, I hate this. I just hate this. I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. And I hate this. And, and he says, I want to go home. Well, Billy, you can't go home. And, uh, you know, there's, I'm not going to let you go home by yourself. We're about ready to finish the, the, the course here. We're about ready to finish the hiking trip. And I think that if you just relax and be calm and just help each other. You know, I just went on and on like that. And so kind of calmed them down a little bit. And we, we went and had dinner. And then 
That night, uh, he was just silent. There was nothing that he wanted to share. He just wanted to go home. And, and basically, he told me, he says, if I knew what this was about, I would have never come. It was unknown to me. And so Thursday came. And it was in the afternoon that Billy began to change. My assistant came up to me and says, man, something's taking place in Billy. It's like... He's being nice to the other people. He's actually looking at the scenery. Friday came, the same thing. And, and Billy was starting to enjoy this adventure and this challenge. Friday night came, and we had the time around the bonfire, and we were doing some reflection, and the kids were just talking about the change that was happening inside of them. And then Billy st stood up. And tears, there was not a dry eye there. And of course they were really tired, and so that kind of perks up the emotion a little bit. But, but Billy starts sharing. He says, you know, at the beginning of this adventure, if I knew what it was all about, I would have never come. It was unknown to me. I've never done anything like this before. The challenges was, was something I've never been challenged before in. And he apologized for his attitude, apologized to each of the kids for how he treated them. And he says, really, when it comes down to it, I was about ready to quit. And he says, but this has been one of the best weeks of my entire life. And the change that has happened, the change of how he views himself, God, and everything else. And so, therefore, the title, A Call to the Unknown. <laughs> Because we are called to the unknown. We don't know tomorrow. We don't know this afternoon. But we are on a journey. And this journey is a real journey. And the journey implies that there's going to be change coming along the way. And in our life, the journey consists of adventure. It, it consists of, um, of challenge. It consists of reflection. So what I want to do... I want to talk about another person. Not Billy, but a person tough as nails, Peter. And what I want to do this morning, I want to give some of the verses of some of the events. It's not all of them. There's just a few. And then after I read the verses, we're going to listen to a story. I'm going to put the whole, all the verses together and we're going to develop a story and so you're going to have to think about your own life. There's not a lot of time this morning to go on and on about all this. But it is a journey, and you're on a journey. And this is one person's journey. His name is Peter. So let's, let's go and read some of those verses. Mark 1.16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. Now the word send is to become. That's the literal word. And then Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. This is Matthew 16. The son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. Another event, Matthew 16. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You, you, you do not have the mind. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Another event. 
But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest, and he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Peter is on a journey. One day Jesus was walking along the shoreline of the uh, Sea of Galilee. And he saw Peter and his brother fishing. This was their livelihood. And he yells out to Andrew and to Peter and he says, Come and follow me and I will have you to become. I will make you to become. Interesting. To become. In other words, there's, there's, as you follow me, there's going to be changes that will happen inside of your life. When, when Jesus says, follow me, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go somewhere. It is to become. There's a change that happens inside. Dallas Willard said this. He said, the main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish. It is the person that you become. Isn't that cool? See, to become implies uh, a, well, well, yeah, to become implies a change, and to change implies a journey, and a journey implies that there's going to be change along the journey. Kind of what, what Jackson was singing about. I thought, wow, that was a cool song. That's exactly what I'm trying to communicate this morning, that we are all on a journey, and when we are open... And we get our sails our, our, our of the boat, which is we are the boat, and we got the sails open our hearts. There's going to be change that's going to come. And that change comes within. I never would have thought that, the, you know, number one, I never thought I'd live in Utah. I didn't even know where Utah was, even in high school. You know, that was a brain. So, you know, I never would have thought Park City. Never, never in a coon's age, ever. And I never really thought that I would be questioning some of the things I've been taught as a child and through college. I never thought that I would question what I believed in. It's a change. We can't be afraid of the change. And the lessons that Peter is learning and will learn and it will be slow as you are learning, as you are on this journey of change. We're going to learn some things. And Peter is learning that God does not do abandonment. We will never be powerful enough to make God's face turn from us. That is something we can repeat. That is something that we can say. But man, when it soaks inside of you through all the struggles that you have had in your journey and you come to this place, no, no, God does not do abandonment. So for three years, Peter was in the up and down mode with Jesus. Sometimes he was doing really well other times he was doing really bad but so is the journey and he was going into unknown territory the adventure was unknown he'd never been there before 
as you have not been in some of the things that you have faced. You, this is all new to me. It's a challenge that we are unfamiliar with. And so, and so here is Peter, and Jesus would sometimes say, Peter, what you just said was awesome. The Father has revealed this to your heart. And then other times, Jesus would say, Oh, my little grasshopper, there is still much for you to learn. And I love that. I love, when I wrote that down as I was bringing this message, I thought, I'm going to keep that in there. Because Jesus didn't say that literally, but that's what I think Jesus meant. Oh, grasshopper, you still have a lot to learn. And Peter is changing as he's going through some of these things. And, and he doesn't feel it, but he is in the process of change. And he's come a long ways after three years of being with Jesus, but still there was some flakiness in Jesus' life, just like there's flakiness in your life and in my life. Maybe not yours, but mine. I still have that flakiness. I still hold on to things that really are not all that important, but life begins to teach you those things. And that's why Jesus said, Peter, my friend, you're going to be sifted as wheat. I love that verbiage because we all get sifted by wheat at times. And what does that mean? You see the picture here that there's a basket, and they take the wheat, and then they just throw it up, over and over and over again. And what happens is that the chaff begins to blow away from the basket because the wind is blowing the, the chaff away from the kernel, and what falls down is the kernel. And the reason being is that the chaff is lightweight. There is no weight to it. And the weight is in the kernel. The substance comes back. What is important comes back. And, and this is the life that we live in and the struggles that sometimes we go through. The flaky stuff gets blown away from our life. But the important thing comes back. Whatever that important thing may be, but you're on your journey, I'm on my journey And when you get old enough and when you grow through life and you've struggled enough and you've doubted enough and you questioned enough, pretty soon, without you even realizing it, through the life experiences, the chaff begins to get blown away. And what comes back are the important things. There's a lot of things that I used to think that were really important back in my life. There were some doctrines I thought that were really important. I used to think this is how you're supposed to teach. This is how you're supposed to preach. That was really important, and I would disagree with anybody that would argue with me. That had a, a different viewpoint. I held on to a lot of things that I thought were important, but there's something interesting about the struggle of life, and you keep learning, and you keep open, you, you keep on the journey, Pretty soon it's like chaff and it blows away and you're thinking, it's really not all that important anymore. And you know what I'm talking about. 
It's just not that important. And so you feel a little bit more free. See, Jesus never changes. But I'm not Jesus. I haven't arrived. So my journey, I'm going to keep changing. And so Peter is going to about ready to face the storm, the sifting of his wheat, the, 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 the sifting of the chaff. He's going to learn what is important and not important. But Jesus is gentle and he's slow with him, just like he is you and I. So at the end of three years, Jesus gets arrested. And you probably know the story. And uh, they lead Jesus to face Caiaphas, which was the high priest. And Peter, it says in the scripture, which we read, he followed at a safe distance. He followed way behind Jesus. That's Peter's journey. And I've heard some people say, man, that dad burned Peter. He should have just been walking alongside Jesus. And be a man about the thing. I said, no, no. If probably if I was a disciple back in those days, I'd skip town. Doesn't mean I'm denying Jesus. I'm just learning. I'm just full of fear. And that's what happened to Peter. But think about this. Peter was way back there, but he was still on the journey. He was still on the journey. Let's not criticize Peter. This is his story. Maybe... Maybe you're a little bit better than Peter and you'd walk alongside Jesus. And that's, that's cool, that's good. But let Peter have his story. Let yourself have your story. Not my story. Not your wife's or your husband's or somebody else's. This is your journey. This is your story. See, it's not about following Jesus perfectly because no one does. It's about staying on the journey. As Jesus was taken into the court in front of Caiaphas, Peter joins others around the warm fire. I mean, he sees this, this group huddled around this bonfire. Probably was a chilly day. And he goes and he joins them and he warms himself up. And a person recognizes Jesus or Peter and he says, Aren't you one of fo Jesus' followers? And he denied it and he asked him again, No, you are one of the the followers of Jesus says no. And third time, he began to cuss to prove his point. And then a rooster crow. And Jesus remembered, or Peter remembered that Jesus said to Peter one day, he said, Peter, you're going to, not, to deny me three times and then a rooster will crow. And when that rooster crowed, Peter, I don't know. I can't imagine. I wanted to get dramatic on this, but I could not imagine the sorrow that just hit him. And at that time, at that time, Jesus walks out. I mean, at the time the rooster crowed, Jesus walks out of the court, into the courtyard where Peter was, and Peter sees Jesus being led by the guards out. And Jesus turns his head and faces Peter. I think Jesus just stopped and looked at Jesus. Or Jesus looked in Peter's eyes and Peter looked into Jesus' eyes and they locked together and the thing that Peter saw in the eyes of Jesus was love and compassion. And the thing that Jesus saw in the eyes of Peter 
with shame, with guilt, remorse. But Jesus never said anything because Jesus was wise. He let Peter travel his journey. There's things that Peter had to learn. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. That we have a lot of questions. We wonder about a lot of things, but Jesus is the wise one. He lives inside of you. You know that? And he just says, I'm just going to be quiet. And so Peter goes out and he weeps. And, and the interesting thing about this is Peter's now taken to a new level of his journey. He saw Jesus crucified. He saw him rise again. He knew his best friend, Jesus, but he didn't know where he stood with Jesus. That had to come out through his journey. He said, I don't even know where I stand with Jesus. And that has been so many of our journey experiences as well. You, you wonder, where, have, where am I with God? Man, I've asked that so many times. And so much of it, so much of it was what I believed. My love that God, or the love that I felt God had for me was limited. That's what I was pretty, pretty much taught. And so, struggled most of my life with my identity and who, and, and, and wondering if, if I was right with God. Because, guys, I'm not like you. You guys are great, but I was a mess. And so, you wonder that. And some of you might be wondering that. But the thing that Peter is about to learn is that God does not do abandonment. You will never be powerful enough to make God's face turn from you. You just can't do it. You can try, and your life will be messed up, but God does not do abandonment. And Peter had to learn this as I had to learn it and as you will learn, if that's what you need to learn. See, he knows you, he's always with you, he's never going to leave you. And the cool thing about all of this, you are not a disappointment to God. Oh, man. Yeah, you're not a disappointment to God. I think Jesus was grieved, but why was he grieved? Because Peter believed a lie. He believed he was not good enough, and he believed that Jesus could possibly turn his back against Peter. That's what grieves Jesus. But he knows you. He's not disappointed. He knows you're on a journey. He knows you're learning. Richard Rohr, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest, and he said this. He said, shaming, accusing, or blaming is simply not how God talks. It's how I talk. It's how you talk. Not cool. So Peter goes back to his old job. He's believing this lie that maybe Jesus turned his back. And he goes back to his old job of fishing, and he thought it was over with Jesus. And, and, and here's Peter just thinking this through, and he says, man, I was such an idiot. I was so stupid. I just stabbed my best friend in the back. And 
I don't know if I will ever forgive myself. I don't know if I will ever get released from this shame and this guilt that I have inside of me. I'm miserable. And I don't blame Jesus for leaving me. So he goes out fishing with his brothers and they fish all night and they didn't catch anything. And then there was a stranger on the shore and this stranger yells out to them, hey, cast your net on the other side. And so they did. And the net filled up with fish. John, who had a very good eyesight, looked at this man a little bit more carefully and he noticed, noticed that this man was Jesus. And he said, guys, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And when Peter heard that, tears welled up in his eyes and all the, the remorse came back to him. All the shame came back to him. All the guilt came back to him. But the thing is, Peter did not run away from Jesus. He jumped out of the boat, into the water, began to swim to shore toward Jesus. And he didn't even know why he was doing it. He just, like a lot of us, like me, impulsive. He just did it. He missed Jesus. He missed that relationship. But he was filled with shame. He was filled with guilt. And so finally he gets to the shore. And my lands, Jesus had breakfast prepared. Mm. This was an awkward moment for Peter. He was embarrassed. And perhaps throughout the breakfast, there was this awkward silence that was taking place. And Jesus is so awesome. He just let Peter be quiet. He just wanted Peter to think through what has taken place. Because he knew Peter was on a journey. And sometimes on our journey, we just need to be silent and ponder when it is necessary, what is happening. And now he was seeing Jesus at another new level. Not once did Jesus accuse him. Not once did Jesus shame him. Not once did Jesus place guilt on him. Peter never felt so much love and acceptance in his whole life. Even in three years when he was with, with Jesus, this was a moment, but he had to go through what he had to go through in order to know the love of Jesus. Not once did Jesus identify Peter's mistake to him. Jesus basically told him, you are not your mistake. And sometimes we have to go through a journey and we have to say, man, I'm a mess. I am my, my mistake. I am totally unforgiven. But you go through the struggles of life and, and you keep learning and you stay on that journey and finally you have a breakthrough. You're saying, no, I am not my mistake. I am not my failure. Sometimes the journey takes us into dark areas in order to see God has never left you. Sometimes your journey will take you into dark areas so that you will know God has never left you. After breakfast, Peter and Jesus took a little walk down the shore of the lake. 
And Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, he says, you know all things, you know that I love you. Yes, Peter. Yes, I know. I know you love me, Peter. And I want you to know I have always loved you and I will always love you. And then Jesus says this, follow me. In other words, Jesus says, continue on your journey because there is more I want to reveal to you when you are ready. There's more I want to reveal to you when you are ready. God is not going to reveal things to you when you're not ready. Some of us, we want to have this great vision. We want to see things. We want to, we, we want to have this understanding. But maybe you're just not ready and you think you are. Trust me, the Spirit of God knows. He's the master at discipleship. And maybe you're not ready. You just need to go through this journey. You need to keep on your journey. You need to keep learning. And you need to keep making mistakes. Whatever it needs to be. Because he is the discipler. Jesus is the discipler. And it kind of reminds me of that verse in Ephesians 3.20. It's not on the screen. I'll just read it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You can't even imagine what God can do and what he's going to do. And he'll just say, there's more I want to reveal to you when you're ready. Well, 10 years have gone by. 10 years of struggle, 10 years of trying to understand and he's learned a lot, but he kept on the journey. And the Holy Spirit kept revealing new things to think about and and. Once again, you know, Jesus is unchangeable, but we're not Jesus. We have not arrived. And so our journey is going to be one of changing. See that? Peter was Jewish. He grew up in a Jewish village. He ate kosher food, observed the Torah. The Torah is what? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They observed that. Well, one day was during noon. And Peter was up on top of the roof and it was lunchtime. He was getting a little bit hungry and he had this vision. And this vision, he sees a sheet that was coming down from the sky and, and in that sheet, there were scallops and shrimp and pork and some other food that was unclean. And so Peter hears this, this voice and, and this voice says, arise, kill and eat. And I don't know, I kind of like reading in between things sometimes. I think Peter, he was blown away with the vision, but I think he chuckled a little bit. Ha! You can't fool me that easy. I know the difference between kosher and non-kosher and the difference between clean and unclean. I know who is in and who's out in our religion. And if you're having non-kosher food, you're out, dude. That's all there is. And that's what the Bible says. Well, Peter was thinking about this. And he says, no, I'm not going to change. But he knew this was from God. He knew this was gone. And it was so hard because all his life, he said, this is what the Bible teaches. And we are, and I am a 
man of the Bible. I'm the man of the word. And this is what it says. And I will die with this. And then he has this vision. And he begins to rethink some things. The Spirit of God is softening his heart. And all of a sudden there was a knock on the door. And there were a couple of Gentiles there. And Peter was thinking, no way. And the Gentiles were saying, Peter, our master is a Roman soldier. You won't believe this. But yeah, he, he had this crazy vision. And you were in that vision. And he says that you were to come to our house and to teach us something important. And now he's starting to figure out and connecting the dots. He says, oh, my lens, this vision is of the Lord. And Peter I love Peter because he wasn't, he, he just, he was tough as nails type guy. I mean, once he believed something, you know, he was open. But I tell you what, he says, maybe my viewpoint of the Torah is not totally accurate. Maybe I need to change my ideas of my position on this matter. Peter was having an awakening inside of him. And the love of God was just flowing through him. It was like a river of a flowing love running through his veins. He says, what in the world is happening? And so Peter decides to go to the Gentile home. He had never been in a Gentile home. So he enters the home, and sure enough, there are a bunch of Gentiles. And he speaks. And he says, the reason I viewed you guys like this that you're not in the in club of where I am in. And the reason I have not entered your homes is because according to my tradition of interpreting the scriptures, this was prohibited. I was not allowed to do this because we are men of the word. We are men of the Bible and we know the scriptures inside and out. We speak Hebrew, Aramaic. We know what the Bible said and it says, don't have fellowship with these people. Then Peter said, I've had a breakthrough. I'm changing in my understanding. I've come to understand that God is not what I thought. His love is bigger than what I thought. His grace is bigger than what I thought. He, he encompasses the world. I never knew this before. This has blown my mind. Then he says, God does not reject people. There's no partiality with God. And a few weeks later, he goes back up to Jerusalem. And man, and man, there were some really unhappy church members. Especially the leaders. Why? Because Peter was breaking some of the traditional views of Scripture. And they said, Peter, you know that everyone who wants to be a part of the Messiah, they have to be a part of us. Not them, but us. We are, what are you doing, Peter? How dare you elevate these people, these Gentiles, to the same status as us without them going through the conversion process of believing what we believe in and my lens, Peter, they don't even say the right prayer. Peter got into a lot of trouble. In fact, eventually he got crucified. 
He was breaking the mold. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he wasn't there standing on stage and saying, 13 years ago, I followed Jesus and I haven't changed at all. Aren't you glad he changed? Huh? Yeah, I am. As Jackson comes up, let me just close this here. In the band, people were shocked. They knew Peter. They were shocked at how he had changed. No one ever thought Peter would say, people don't have to be kosher like we are. They don't have to be religious like we are. They don't have to keep dietary laws like we do. They don't need to follow the Torah like us. That's what we do, but they are not like us. I'm glad none of you are like me and I'm not like you. Isn't that beautiful? And you are free, free to think, free to question, free to believe. God is as much a part of their lives and your life and my life. He's part of your life as much as Peter's. And that's what he was teaching to these people. And the thing that Peter was learning was this. And this is the main point. Is that God does not do abandonment. You will never be powerful enough to make God's face turn from you. And so when Jesus was given the Sermon on the Mount, he was given a story. And this story was how to live life. If you can read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as a story, he gives a story, but the goal of that journey he writes down in Matthew 7, 24. And all I'm going to read is, I'm just going to read it through the message, and then we'll just let that go. And hopefully this was helpful. I just want you to realize you're on a journey, that's it. Okay? Really, that's simple. But these words I speak to you, they are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living they are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built, who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. That's where the journey has taken us, to be fixed on the rock, Jesus. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story of Peter. Thank you for our story. Because we all have a story. And we are a story. That's on a journey. A journey to learn that there is no abandonment in God. We abandon people. We abandon others. But you, God, <laughs> no, no, no. There's no abandonment with you. There's no putting on shame. There's no putting on guilt. You never identify us with our mistakes. Thank you for that.